Sunday night like we normally do with our prayer requests. So we want you to remember these, and then we'll open up in a word of prayer. Let's remember Gene Bandy. He'll have surgery this Tuesday to remove cancer from his hand. Pray God will remove it all and for healing. That's from Diane Bandy. So let's please be remembering her in prayer. Or Gene, him. Sorry, I was thinking of Diane who wrote it. But let's be praying for Gene in prayer this week. Then for Wayne Keys, he had foot surgery on June 22nd. And that's from Kathy Keys. So let's be lifting him up in prayer. And then let's remember Larry Spies. Tuesday he gets an EEG done to see if his brain bleed after his fall and he broke some ribs. And this is from Sharon Spies. So let's remember Larry in prayer. Remember all of these. All right, we're going to ask the Lord to bless us tonight. I'm going to ask Rob if he would. Stand up right where you are, Rob. Open us up in a word of prayer. Thank you. stand at the cross. that we have. Uh, VBS is coming up, remember, in August, and they're looking for workers. Please help out with that. That is a great week 
uh, that we just love the outreach that we're able to do during that week, so remember that. This coming up Sunday is the July 4th picnic, but it's Sunday, July 2nd. That means a combined morning service, and then there's uh, no evening service, but there will be a picnic after the morning service, so don't forget that the coming up week. And then, here we are, we're going to get ready. Uh, there's quite a few things going on. Make sure that you get a bulletin. There's lots of things in here. Uh, Young Ladies Convention, July the 8th. Young Adults, July the 8th. Men's Devotion, July 7th. But then our camp meeting is going to kick off, and we're excited about that. The Eastern Pennsylvania Baptist Fellowship Camp Meeting, July 10th through the 14th. But we're kicking it all off here on Sunday, that Sunday before. We're going to have Mike Holcomb. He'll be preaching for us in the Sunday morning, Sunday morning service. And then Brother Ian Martin, who's from Kogan's church, uh, Kogan East. We're very familiar with him. Young man out of his church will be preaching in the evening. And then camp meeting that week. And man, we are looking forward to camp meeting and all that God's going to do that week. Great preaching with Dr. Kenny Baldwin, Mike Holcomb. Uh, the Lore family is going to be singing. We're going to have Brother Brad Davis preaching in the morning. There's uh, food before every service. So remember that. It is just an absolute wonderful time at the camp meeting. So make sure that you get your information about that. And we're looking forward to that. All right. Let's have our ushers come for our Sunday evening tithes and offerings. And then I would kind of give a plug for something that's a little bit in the future. But it's also a great time as well, and that's the gospel music night at the Cecil County Fair. Now, I know it's really cool to act like you don't like going to the fair, but the truth is, is I see all of you there anyway, okay? So don't act like you don't like it. You're going to be there, all right? And you're going to get a potato, and you're going to listen to the music, all right? So make sure that you mark it down. And this year, Jonathan Buckner and Chosen Rose are going to be there. Nottingham Four is going to be there. Who else, Delmer? The, the Browders and Down East Boys. Down East Boys, the Browders, Jonathan Buckner and Chosen Road, and the Nottingham Four. The Nottingham Four alone, that's worth the price of admission. Amen? So come out and enjoy just a great time. It is also a gr uh, just a great time of fellowship every year. And uh, so many folks in the uh, county come out, and we just enjoy that time of fellowship immensely that night. So that's July the 27th at the Cecil County Fair. All right, Jason, would you ask the blessing on the offering? Thank you for this church that you've given to us, Lord, and thank you for the many activities uh, that you've given to this place, Lord, and pray that you'd help us as uh, we do those things that you call each of us to do, Lord. We pray that you would bless this offering and that it would go to the furtherance of your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Page 355. Praise him, praise him, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Sing, O oh, earth, his wonderful love proclaim. Hail him, hail him, highest archangels in glory. Strength and honor give to his holy name like a shepherd. Jesus will guard his children in his arms. He carries them all day long. Praise him, praise him. Tell of his excellent greatness. Praise him, praise him. 
praise Him ever in joyful song. All right, choir, on this last verse, come on up. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. Heavenly portals, loud with hosannas ring. Jesus, Savior, reigneth forever and ever. Crown Him, crown Him, prophet and priest and king. Christ is coming over the world victorious. Power and glory under the Lord belong. Praise Him, praise Him, tell of His excellent greatness. Praise Him, praise Him, ever in joyful song. Amen, you may be.
guilty Who would care that much about me? Let me tell you about my Jesus If it was not for the mercy of 
Good evening. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, with me to the book of Zechariah. Book of Zechariah. Been preaching there, and we've been we were moving well through the minor prophets, really well. And then I got to Zechariah, and uh, I think I preached three, three, two or three messages out of the first six verses, and uh, and definitely we're going to be able to 
stay a little while in the book of Zechariah while we do that. And I'm going to tell you, I'm just, I'm, I'm just feeding out of this book. And it is feeding my soul and my heart. And uh, I've just been enjoying it. And Wednesday night when we preached out of it, I still am just dwelling on that whole idea that the blessing in repentance is the presence of the Lord. Like we think, we look at this book and we see that there are benefits of the repented heart and all of those things. But the real blessing of it is that God's presence comes when we repent. And I think as we move through this book, we need to keep that in the back of our mind and keep that in our hearts, knowing that what we are looking for here is not to receive the benefits of, uh, of life down here, which it's true. I was just talking about that with someone else, that when we live godly, there is just blessing in that. If you are honest in your dealings with people, guess what? There's blessing in that. There really is. It's a great way to live. And you'll see that, but that's not... The only reason we're being truthful, it's that we can be close to God and have His presence in our life. But tonight we're going to jump in and we're going to start in verse number 7 and we're going to get into some of these visions. Now, like I, I might have said this before, I've been reading these visions, going back through them. They are interesting. They're different. I've read lots of commentaries that say they're bizarre, that really uh, put them up there with some of the most unusual ones, and I will say that's true, but I also believe that God has got some great stuff for us in there, and uh, I d definitely didn't want to just describe, I I've just been dwelling on them, and so hopefully what the Lord gives me, I feel like I hopefully will be able to relay that to you, and the Lord will use it this, this evening and as we move through. So if you found Zechariah chapter 1 and verse number 7, stand with me, let's read the Word of God together. We're going to read down through verse number 17 so that you know where we're going and then we'll ask the Lord to help us. Upon the four and twentieth day of the eleventh month, which is the month of Sabbat, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo, the prophet, saying, I saw by night and behold a man riding upon a red horse, and he stood among the myrtle trees that were in the bottom. And behind him were three red horses, speckled and white. Then said I, O my Lord, what are these? And the angel that talked with me said unto me, I will show thee what these be. And the man that stood among the myrtle trees answered and said, These are they whom the Lord hath sent to walk to and fro through the earth. And they answered the angel of the Lord that stood among the myrtle trees and said, We have walked to and fro through the earth, and behold, all the earth sitteth, sitteth still and is at rest. Then the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long wilt thou not have mercy on Jerusalem and on the cities of Judah, against which thou hast had indignation these threescore and ten years? And the Lord answered the angel that talked with me with good words and comfortable words. So the angel that communed with me said unto me, Cry thou, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a great jealousy. And I am very sore displeased with the heathen that are at ease. For I was but a little displeased, 
and they helped forward the affliction. Therefore thus saith the Lord, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. My house shall be built in it, saith the Lord of hosts, and a line shall be stretched forth upon Jerusalem. Cry yet, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, My cities through prosperity shall yet be spread abroad, and the Lord shall yet comfort Zion, and shall yet choose Jerusalem. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to turn to your word tonight. Dear God, we pray that you'd help us and use your word tonight. Dear Lord, uh, you know what's on my heart and what's on my mind, and I do pray that you'd help us to relay that uh, tonight. I pray that you'd let the Holy Spirit speak, and, and what we want is for your word to speak loudly this evening as we look at it and contemplate it. And we understand and, and we really believe we believe it through other passages of Scripture that, God, you're able to describe and do many things at once. And so tonight, as we make our focus on just one thing that we see in here that's a great comfort to us, dear God, help us to, to just take that and draw that and be strengthened in it tonight. And let us be strengthened in the God of our salvation and the salvation that he has provided for us in Jesus Christ. Dear God, you have throughout all times and in all ways been revealing your Son, Jesus Christ, to us. And dear God, we are amazed at the many ways he is portrayed in the Word of God. And dear God, I personally believe it's because you want to speak to every man in a unique way about who this Jesus Christ is. So, God, we just want to preach Jesus tonight. We want to talk about him and just say how wonderful he is. So let, it, let that be our focus tonight. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. When we go through this, you're going to notice that if you have a Schofield Bible, like I've been reading out, you're going to notice that Mr. Schofield remarks ten visions from the book of Zechariah. There are other commentaries that are going to note eight visions, visions that complement each other, like one and eight and two and seven, and go through a way like that, which is very interesting. And I'm just saying some of these things because they might pique your interest into going studying something further about that. But the ten visions are pretty plain as you would notice them as you move through. The rider on a red horse, who we just talked about. The four horns and the four carpenters. The measuring line that he actually even men mentions here of Jerusalem. Joshua the high priest. Jehovah the servant's branch. The golden candlestick. The flying scroll or flying roll that he talks about in Zechariah. The epaph that we're going to see later on in it. And the four chariots. And so there's lots of ways to break them down. There's lots of ways that they do uh, in some ways complement each other and kind of go hand in hand. So if you find yourself interested in doing that and looking at them that way, it is important. I will say that as you read them, they are uh, interesting. They are sometimes, like, like other people have said, bizarre. But I do believe that they carry a ton of information. They speak loudly about how powerful God is. And I think they speak pow powerfully to how exact God is. 
That's something that's pretty powerful, and we'll look at those in some of the other ones. But in this one, you'll notice that we were there, and he mentions the fact that we looked at right there in verse number 12. He says uh, that how long wilt thou have mercy on Jerusalem and on the cities of Judah against which thou hast had indignation these threescore and ten years. Speaking of the 70 years that Jerusalem and the land of Israel was in exile right down to the very year that in that 70th year, boom, the Lord gives them opportunity to come back to the land. And the Word of God is precise in that stuff. And that's just one example. And trust me, if you keep reading and looking, it is amazing. But if we tried to spend all of the time to get into all of those specifics, your head would be spinning. And I would feel like those things, it's, if it interests you, go study it. It'll, it'll amaze you. It really will. But if it's not your cup of tea, you can really get lost down in it. And I don't want to lose the forest for the trees as we study this and go through it. So I'm just going to make mention of that and we'll look at these. And all I really want to do tonight uh, is give you a little bit, of, little bit of explanation. This first vision really isn't that difficult. But then I also want to give you something that I believe uh, the Lord is doing He's doing all throughout the Bible, and it's absolutely wonderful. But here we see that Zechariah lays down uh, and by night, and he has, has this vision. Actually, it doesn't say that he lies down, and there's many people that are going to say this is a vision, not a dream, which is very different, and you can kind of go through and look out the reasons for all of that as well. Uh, and so he has this vision, and he sees a rider on a red horse. And the Bible talks about that, and he, the vision is very quick. Verse number 8, And I saw by night, and behold, a man riding upon a red horse, and he stood among the myrtle trees that were in the bottom, and behind him there were red horses, speckled and white. Okay? And then he, so he sees that vision of the man riding on a red horse, and he has horses behind him, and he's standing, though, and so is he sitting on the horse and standing? And you can debate all of that if you want. But he's there also in a grove in a place of myrtle trees. And these myrtle trees, the Bible describes, are in the bottom. And that's what he says there. And then he asks the angel, he says, I said to the angel that's talking to him, and this is important that you communicate that as well, that talked with me, I said, will you tell me what these things mean? And if you'll notice here, the one that stands in the myrtle trees is the one who speaks up. So it's as if the angel who is going to guide him through these things is putting him in this place. And as he sees the vision, he says, well, what do these mean? And the one who's standing in the myrtle trees is the one that speaks up and says, I'm going to tell you what's going on. And he says, these are the ones that go to and fro from the earth. They walk among the earth and they're there. And he said, as they stand and go to and fro, they report to me about what's going on. And as a matter of fact, we get to verse number 11. And they answered the angel of the Lord. Now that's an important phrase. Some of you are already familiar with this. And you already are familiar with Bible prophecy. And you're also familiar with the Bible in the Old Testament and phrases like that. But the angel of the Lord is something very specific. We're going to get to that in just a minute, okay? 
And he starts to tell them, listen, they have walked to and fro and they're saying there's peace that's on the earth. And amazingly enough, during this time of empires, there was a type of peace that was spread throughout the earth because the empires had conquered and the empires had done their work and they had brought a type of peace. But at the same time while they bring this peace, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord talks to the Lord of hosts, big right there all in capitals, Lord, the Lord of hosts himself, and he says, listen, how long, how long, is Jerusalem and Judah, how long are they going to be a part of this indignation, a part of this trial that's going on? And he says, listen, we need to know this. And so I'm going to back up here and just give you a little bit of this so that we can explain that. And I hope you're staying with me, right? Are we good? A little, bit of, a little bit of explaining before we get there, but I really do believe it'll be worth it if you can just stay with me for a moment. So most of the time as we move through these things, this is really not even up for much of debate among most of the commentaries that you're going to read. But as you go through this, the rider on the red horse is Jesus Christ himself, the angel of the Lord. Okay, In Old Testament, we see that over and over and over. The angel of the Lord is Jehovah God himself. This, or, excuse me, Jesus Christ himself. The big fancy word is a Christophany. Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And just in case you were wondering, Jesus Christ is the eternal one from all of the ages. Did you know that? He wasn't born in Bethlehem and appear for the first time. Because Jesus, God talks about the fact that when he created the world, that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost were all present during that. As a matter of fact, if you want more proof than that, Jesus Christ says when he prays to the Father, he says, restore unto me the glory that we had before the foundations of the earth. He says, I've been with you before anything was formed. I have always been and always will be. And so Christ, the Son of the living God, has existed in eternity past with God. Right? Amen. Amen. Okay. Now, he was born in Bethlehem in flesh. Right? And the Word became flesh. It wasn't his beginning, but he came flesh. So here he is in the Old Testament. Okay? And that's an easy one. The myrtle trees that he's walking about is a symbol of Israel, of who they are. And you, if you want to go and study that myrtle tree, there is a whole lot that paints the picture of Israel and the myrtle tree and lots of beautiful pictures that can be seen there. When the Bible talks about that they are in the bottom, it's a wonderful, another beautiful picture that's painted right there. And we're going to say a little bit more about it in a minute. In a minute. But that they would be in a valley that was just outside of Jerusalem. And they're there and he's walking among them and they have a desire to get back into the land. They have a desire to move back into Jerusalem, but they're not there yet. And so Jesus Christ himself moves among them. And then Jesus Christ himself calls out to the Lord of hosts and says, how long? Will Jerusalem and Judah wait? The 70 years is up. The time has come, God, for you to do what you said you were going to do. And then he responds, doesn't he? Verse number 13. And the Lord answered, the angel that talked with me. 
So the Lord spoke to the angel that was talking to me, and he gave me good words, comfortable words. So the angel of the Lord that communed with me said unto me, Cry thou, this is verse 14, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Jerusalem. I'm going to tell you what. I, I think we could do a great study just on the fact that God is jealous for Jerusalem, that he's jealous for his people, that he, that he covets in the right way his people. Let me tell you, he wants to fight for us. Do you get that? He is, not only does he want to, he has fought for us. And anyway, he is jealous over his people. That's good, isn't it? Isn't it? Hey, you ever, you ever notice when your spouse, maybe they get jealous uh, for or something you did and it makes you feel kind of good, right? Hey, I know that's a good thing. It's not always like the right way or whatever, but it is. It's good to feel that your spouse, hey, they care, right? They care about me. They're not going to let anything happen or anybody. Anyway, I've just got to keep preaching. There's just so much in here. And like I said, we can't keep going on every little tangent. Uh, because there's just so much. But anyway, I'm jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a great jealousy. Look at this. I am very sore displeased with the heathen. Remember all those things that we've been talking about? Why doth the heathen rage? Why are all of these people... Listen, God is saying it's going to come around. It really is. He Notice what he says here. For I was but a little displeased with my people. I was a little displeased and they helped me forward the affliction. I had a plan for the heathen to bring judgment upon Jerusalem, but that time is up. They are working. We keep saying this, and it, this is just low-hanging fruit I can't leave alone. The, the things that are going on in this world, we look around and go, why? why, why, why? God is still working His purpose. Even if He has to use bad circumstances and evil things in this world to bring to us to some recognition of who He is, God is still working and all that man can do, whether he is wicked or good, all that man can do is bring about the divine purpose of God. That's all he'll ever do. In his greatest wickedness, thinking that he has rejected God and done his own thing, he is still only bringing about the perfect will of God. That's all he can do. That's it. He's saying, I used the heathen. Oh, yeah, they're wicked. But I, I used them to do what I wanted to do. And it's, none of it's catching him by surprise. It's still true today. It's still true today. No one is catching God by surprise. And the wickedness of our time, they're still working what God is planning to do. That's all they're doing. Anyway, so he goes through and he said, they, they forwarded they forward my affli the affliction. Then he says this, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. My house shall be built in it, saith the Lord of hosts. Upon and, he's, and a line shall be stretched forth upon Jerusalem. Cry yet, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, My cities through prosperity shall yet be spread abroad, and the Lord shall yet comfort Zion. And I love this. And shall yet choose Jerusalem. Man. I am glad that God chose me. We've been going through this whole book, or the minor prophets. 
I use that sometimes because it's one scroll anyway. We've been going through these whole minor prophets, noticing each time that God has chosen the Jewish people to fulfill his purposes. But man, this week is, and last week even, as I was reading this and going through it and through it and through it, man, it was getting to me that he also chose me. He chose me. He knew me before I was formed in my mother's womb. He has called me with an everlasting calling. Man, that's wonderful. He has chosen us. We have been chosen. Now, I want you to look at this. This is all I'm going to do tonight. I, I wanted to give you a little bit of the background of that, give you a little bit of it so that you, you know what the symbolism that's going on. Here it is, Jerusalem returning to the land. All of these things are true. All of these things are right there. They're being forwarded and, and they're happening. But you know what is wonderful about the Bible and it is about this thing? Is we are constantly getting new information about what Jesus Christ is like from the Word of God. Did you know that? The purpose of this book is to show you who Jesus is. That's the purpose of this book, whether you're reading from the beginning or from the end in the middle or whatever. And in this one specifically, he gets very precise about who Jesus Christ is. So we're just going to take a moment and watch a couple of things happen as he in the... And, and I, I, I kind of wanted to craft this to where I kind of revealed it at the end, but it was just too difficult for me. I'm just going to be honest. I couldn't even do that. I, I wanted to hold off and be like, watch how he reveals this. And look how at the beginning, it's just that you see a rider on a red horse. That's all he's described at. And as you notice, it goes through a little bit further and gets into more detail. And it's a rider on a red horse. And then he's the one that's standing in the myrtle trees. And then he's the one that he says, the angel of the Lord answered to me. And all of a sudden we see who he really is. I really wanted to do a good job of, you know, slowly revealing that, but it was just too difficult for me. So we, let's watch it though, as we see, uh, you know, in hindsight, uh, uh, Zechariah here realizing who is actually doing all of this stuff for him. And even when he doesn't know what he's doing, we also see who he is and what he's doing. So let's just take a look real quick, okay? Jesus revealed as we go through. So we're going to start there in verse number 8 in the one that's small and the one that's right there. And he says this, I saw by night and behold a man riding upon a red horse. A man riding upon a red horse. Now, if you know anything about prophecy and if you decide to study it, you're going to start finding this stuff out all of the time. But when a man is on a horse, it means he is going to war. That's what it means. Jesus Christ is going to come one day on a white horse, a symbol of his victory, and he is going to defeat all the armies of all of the world. He will come riding on a white horse. It is one who means business to do battle. And we absolutely do not have time, but if you want to go back and look through the prophecies and look through them, when they start talking about horses, you're going to see war, you're going to see riding into battle, you're going to see this over and over and over. And when you see a red horse, it means that there is bloodshed that is a part of that battle. There's bloodshed 
that is a part of that battle. Now, I'm just, I don't, I've already spent way too much time describing it, but I'm going to do my best to preach through these out. But you can go ahead, I think, and make the application right there. Aren't you thankful that Jesus Christ went to battle for you? Amen. Big time goes right there. Wait a minute right here. It gets even better. Aren't you glad that you, when you didn't even realize who he was, when you weren't even aware, when you upon this earth and upon the things that were going on was not a thought in anyone's eye or anything to be mentioned or anything to be thought of, that yet before you were ever even known and you ever even considered Jesus Christ, before you knew him, he went to battle for you. And he went to battle all the way. He shed his precious blood that we might have victory. Just ponder that for a little while. Whew. That Jesus Christ, before we ever had an idea, as a matter of fact, while he was dying on the cross, all of those standing around had no idea what was going on. There was no praise while he was in battle for the souls of men. There was only shame. There was only rejection. While he fought for us, nobody even seemed to know who he was or even cared that the Son of the living God was dying upon a hill outside of Jerusalem. No one even cared. Oh, but he fought the battle for us. Now, if you'll notice, though, if you go down, and behind him there were three red horses, and then it says speckled and white. So if you know what he's talking about there, there's red horses, there's horses that are red and white, and then there's white horses. And white horses, we know what that means. That's victory. Because Jesus Christ will always win. He shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. He fought the battle for us, but he was victorious. He rose the third day, conquering death, hell, and the grave, and he stands at the right hand of the Father ever to make intercession for us. He is absolutely victorious in everything that he does. And what... And I think that's beautiful because what everyone else sees, and I think this is amazing, and we see this all throughout the Old Testament, and we see it all throughout the New Testament as well, that while they meant it for evil, God meant it for good. That's what he does. He takes defeats and makes them into victories. That's what he does. He says, bring me your broken life. Bring me your messed up stuff, and I will make it something beautiful. That's who he is, and that's what he does. And so we see the first thing that while we didn't even know who he was, we see that he's there on that red horse fighting our battles for us, doing what we could not do for ourselves, and winning the victory for us. But then he starts to reveal himself just a little bit more. Notice what he says as we go and we move along right here. We see a man and then we see that as they're going here, and I think this is really important, he says, we verse number 10, 
And the man that stood among the myrtle trees answered and said. So we see that all of a sudden the man that, t- that starts to talk is the one that's there. He said, these are they whom the Lord has sent to go to and fro from the earth. I got to move and get my notes over here so I know where I am. Yeah, I want to I keep going. Now go down. He says, he's, they go to and fro. I can't, I got to leave that alone. Verse number 12, right? Then the angel of the Lord answered. These are little words, but it's, it's so important. Then the angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ, answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long will that thou not have mercy on Jerusalem? It's pretty simple, isn't it? I hope you are to get where I'm going with this. He pleads for us to God. Jesus Christ is our advocate to the Father. If you had to make a case before God, we just couldn't do it, could we? But Jesus Christ, in His perfect timing and who He is, He is the one that goes to the Father and pleads for us. He pleads for Jerusalem. He pleads for the people. He goes to them and he says, Listen, Lord, have mercy on them. It's just so stark in everything that we see. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Have mercy on this people. They're walking about. They don't know what's going on. They don't seem to understand what we're doing or how we are doing it. But God, I'm coming to you on their behalf that you would have mercy on them. This is our only plea, is that God would go to the Father or that Jesus Christ would go to the Father for us. This is all that we have. That's all that we can hope for. That's all that we can look for. Not only does we see that, but then let's keep going. And I'm going to... Wrap it up. I'm going to try to wrap it up. I've preached longer than I already wanted to. So the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long wilt thou not have mercy on Jerusalem and on the city? So he goes to us as an advocate for us, Jesus Christ, revealing who he is and revealing what he does. And then we see that God himself brings victory and brings healing to Jerusalem. So verse number 16 Therefore thus saith the Lord, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. My house shall be built in it, saith the Lord of hosts. So God the Father in his presence is able to come back when Jesus Christ has done the work that he needs to do. We could go all through this and talk about the temple and I think you already understand it and I've already made this connection many times as we've gone through the minor prophets. But the temple of God was the place where the, where the glory of God resided and the presence of God, just like we've already talked about, they repented and the presence of God came back. But now isn't it amazing that Paul has already told us, what know ye not that your body is the temple of the living God? And so when God 
When we're looking for the presence of God and for God to be here upon this earth, we find that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and he becomes our advocate to the Father and pleads on our case that the presence of God doesn't have to just reside in this building, doesn't have to just reside in this sanctuary, but come and is a part of everyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And you can have the presence of God with you on a Monday morning at your kitchen table with your cup of coffee. You can have the presence of God with you when you show up on your job and you need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to the person that's sitting across from you. You can have the presence of God when you walk through the greatest valleys of life. The presence of God is with us and He's there. Why? Because Jesus Christ brings it with him. He pleads to the Father for us. And you know what? This is pretty good, and we're going to be done. The Father always listens to the Son. You know why? Because they're on the same page. All that you put in my hand, Father, I haven't lost any. You chose them before the foundation of the world. You placed them in my hand, Father, and I didn't lose any of them. So if he prays the Father for something for you, one of his chosen people, like the chosen people of Israel, guess what? The Father's going to do it. He has covenanted that he would. And guess what he does? He keeps his promises. Amen. He is covenanted. So when we come here, the people are coming back. They're looking around and they're like, I don't know how he's going to do it. The city's in ruins. The temple is in ruins. And we've gone through this over and over. And they're outside of the city wondering how in the world can we get back in. And the angel of the Lord is bringing comfortable words, peace and comfort words saying, guess what? You're going to, I'm going to restore it all. I'm going to restore it all. And just like we've mentioned so many times before, the Word of God is able to do two things at once. And Jesus Christ is going to come back into the city of Jerusalem. And I believe my Word of God enough to believe that physically and bodily, Jesus Christ is going to return to this planet. And He is going to go to the city of Jerusalem. And He is going to set up a kingdom that will never end. Now, we'll get it. You can get into all of the thousand-year reign, and then the new heaven, new earth, all that stuff. We can talk about all that later. But the truth of the matter is, Jerusalem is the city of David. It's his city, and he will rule and reign from there. He's coming back to that place. Amen. He is going to do that. And the presence of God will fill the earth again. And we will walk this earth being at one with God. What amazing truth. Jesus Christ is revealing himself even in the Old Testament. So clearly, isn't it? I know for them it was probably hard to see. But I believe that Zechariah knew that there was something special about this man who was riding on this red horse. And that a man that could speak to God like that was somebody he wanted to listen to and someone that he wanted to be near to. And Aren't we thankful that Jesus Christ has made himself known to us so plain in this time that we live in. It's wonderful, isn't it? 
And we look back and read the Old Testament and go, there was Jesus. There was Jesus. Just like we do in our own life, right? Like that song says, there was Jesus. Just when I thought, I realized he was fighting that battle. Ben sent me that song a long time. I listened to it almost like every other day. I'm fighting the battle. He's already won. He's already won. I love that. He fights for us. He wins for us. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Daryl, come around, get us a song tonight. Sometimes I feel pretty inadequate to prepare these sermons from the Minor Prophets. I feel like there's five or six points that could bring us to a place of invitation and application and all of that. And Lord, which one's best? And so tonight I'm just going to bring this to you. I don't know which one is best for you. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's comforting you tonight to know that God has already fought your battle through Jesus Christ. I don't know if that's what's bringing you the comfort or the help that you need. Or maybe there's a battle. You just need to bring it and say, I can't fight this. i got to give this to Jesus Christ. Why would I fool with this? I don't know. Maybe it's comforting your heart tonight to know that he is your advocate, that he speaks to the Father, that he stands ready to speak to the Father about whatever is bothering you. Maybe you needed to hear tonight that we are victorious. Maybe you needed to hear tonight that we will triumph with Christ. With all that's going on, we will. We will. I don't know. We're going to let the Lord do the work He needs to do. Dear Heavenly Father, help us in our invitation tonight. Lord, thank You for giving us Your Word. Dear Lord, thank You for its depth. Dear God, I pray that You'd help us to rightly divide it in this place. In Christ's wonderful name we pray. Amen. As we stand and sing. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He would give His only Son to make a wretch His
you stand. 